podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, but hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Rashford, he's in here. He scores! Marcus Rashford takes yet another step up the ladder. And it's a lad from Manchester who scored. Thank you, man. Mars in my head like shampoo. Violate my squad, might bang you. Only champs in my team like man you. Yeah, like man you. Thank you, man. Mars in my head like shampoo. Violate my squad, might bang you. Only champs in my team like man you. Yeah, like man you. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Make United Great Again podcast, part of the Touchline Fracker podcast family. Arguably the content kings, but we'll let the people decide. Uh, this evening I'm joined by two regulars. Seb, how's it going? What's good, man? What's good, man? You know, we had to come on uh, and uh, put the team on our back, innit? So Once again, well, you got the customary uh, glass of LO, mm. doing it right. Uh, Elijah, how's it going, mate? I'm all good, I'm all good. It's 9 a.m. Always, always. We, we won't, we'll never forget that, bro. So, uh, <laughs> I want to start um, just by touching on a few interesting things that have come out reunited this week. So, obviously, throughout um, the season, we've been talking among ourselves about all the different players that are going to come in and all the different players that are going to leave. Um, I think for some United fans, uh, I'm not surprised myself, but there's finally been a kind of dose of reality from Ed Woodward essentially coming out to say that uh, anyone who still has any thoughts and hopes of a huge transfer window with loads of incomings and outgoings 
basically needs a reality check. And from everything that I've read, it seems that we only have two main targets this summer, one being a certain Jaden Sancho and the other being a, a certain Jack Grealish. I just wanted to speak to you both just to get your, your feelings on that uh, information. Uh, I'll start with you, Elijah. I heard from you in a bit, so you nice to hear what you think. Um, it's, not, it's not surprising. Um, I think what Woodward said was, the thing is, the problem is that what he said is completely correct and it is completely in line with what is happening around the world right now. The problem is, is the fact that over the years, he's kind of lost the trust of the fans in terms of doing business correctly. So some fans will look at it as a early, a, a early chance for him to have an excuse for us not doing all the business we need to do for the summer. But really and truly, he is very correct. Um, in terms of the amount of money we're going to be able to spend is going to be restricted, even as, even, even given the fact that we're not going to be as effective as most clubs in the world. The, the, amount, of money, the amount of money that's been cut out of the game right now because of all these things, because of match day revenue potentially being lost altogether, um, the TV money that's still all up in the air, Champions League money and prize money and such and such and such. It's just there. There's there you can't project or budget for that. So when you can't do those things, you have to be cautious because going being too overzealous it puts you. It could put you in a bad situation in, in the future if you don't meet the future the future targets that sets the future budget. So in terms of that, he's completely correct. But the thing is that, like I said before, it's going to affect most of the clubs in the world like worse than us. And we are in a position where we are basically in, in a much better, like we are able to basically do things that most clubs aren't able to do. A, a lot of clubs have been agitating about the money and stuff. We've seen with Arsenal how they have basically tried to harangue players into taking a pay cut. Genuinely hate to see it. For a year. And like that, stuff like that would never be, uh, it, I actually know, it would never cross their minds because it's like, in terms of the PR and the amount that they have stressed, how much money we bring in, and they can't then do a U-turn and then just say, yeah, this is all, this is all, um, um, yeah, this is this is all like messed up or what, whatever, and then we have to cut we have to cut all all our money. So essentially, I think in in the end, I do think we'll be in a better position. And I think what will happen is tr- transfer fees will come down a bit, and then we might be able to negotiate our fees for less money. But I do think we're gonna have our budget severely um, slashed. Naturally, naturally. Um, Sebi, what are your thoughts about the two players we, we are linked with um, if this summer goes as, as should be, so Grealish and Sancho? Are you happy with those two players or do you think we should be focusing on other areas? Um, do you know what? Not really. I feel like, um, well, sorry, I don't think we should be focusing on on on, on other areas if if we're linked with those two players because um for me I I'd be happy to to have Grealish and Sancho in the squad because when I look at the team and I look at um 
how we performed last season. I look at um, the players that were fit and what we were missing. Um, I think those two players um, provide a lot of the things we were missing, i.e. the creativity, i.e. a right winger that's actually quality that can come in and link with the other two um, forwards. Um, we didn't really have that, you know. We, you know, when you look at a lot of Daniel, J- a lot of Daniel James, um, well, this season slash last season or this season, um, you look at how many chances he's wasted, i.e., just crossing it out of players' legs or not being able to go past a player to 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 have a simple pass on or overhitting passes or just a crossing, inshallah, but it's not even really a good cross. It's just like some weird type of lofted uh, type of cross that, that, that isn't really going to anybody. And then you think and you just kind of simulate in your head. Imagine if Sancho's in those positions. Do you know what I mean? If Sancho's in those positions, um, you know, nine times out of ten, we're creating something from the chances that we we, we fluffed up. And then... On top of that, um, if we keep Pogba, which is a massive thing, and he stays fit, which is a massive thing, I'm very, very happy with the squad. I know everybody wants a DM. However, the way how I look at the squad and I look at, again, I refer to how we played this season. I look at um, the best parts of the season. When Matic came back and Matic was in front of the defence, even if it's just 10 games, even if it's 15 or 20 games, Matic can give you 15 to 20 games a season where he's phenomenal. Yeah, he might not play every single game, but he can give you 15 to 20 games. Yeah, McTom can give you a few games. McTom, basically what he can do is he can come on for Matic on the 60th minute and close out games or 70th minute and close out games. And even some, some games where, you know, it's probably the bigger games. I definitely trust McTom um, with the other players to kind of uh, shore up the defense and just stay in front of the defense. So I don't think that's going to be, and also Fred is improved as well. So I don't think that's going to be the biggest issue um, going into next season. I feel like um, we can like those three players will be able to do a sound job and then Bruno and Pogba can do what they want and you know Grealish in that mix I don't know how it's going to work I don't know if they're going to be doing this rotation thing which I'm happy with um um that will definitely work and then as I said the rotation thing you have somebody to come off the bench whether that be Grealish who's in form or whether that be Bruno who's in form you know Pogba's probably not going to be on the bench but yeah either of them two you've got quality to now bring off the bench which we didn't have and then you don't have to start Daniel James you're not you're not in a rush to start Green uh, Greenwood so for me uh, I'm more than happy with those signings I feel like those signings make us automatic uh like we should 100% be in the top four um, you know, without no, obviously providing um, injuries and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Providing, in, providing, we we get a rubber the green regarding injuries. We we should definitely be in the top four with those two players. Like it shouldn't even be, um, you know, much of a struggle. It's more so going for second and third, and then the season after trying to get the other play, uh, other uh, positions, i.e., a DM if Pogba leaves, replace Pogba a left-back, a centre-back, and, you know, and so on. Slowly build, slowly build. So, um, I was looking at some um, news last week, and a certain Diego Dallo was linked with PSG as a potential replacement for Mounier. Um, What would you guys think about us potentially cashing in on him now for a profit? Um, Do you guys feel like you want to see more of him? 
or are you happy to cash in based on what you've seen thus far? Um, oh, no, I lied to you going up. Um, the thing is with Dello, like I've said before, I can't even comment on him too tough. It's basically just been flashes. And then even from what we bought him on, he was injured when he came. He was bought off off of hype in the academy. He hadn't really played much for Porter. So he's, what, 20, 21 now. And much of his acclaim comes from just hype. And I can see why he's got good attributes. Offensively looks very good. I mean, he does... He, he Even when he's fit, he does look like he flags a bit with um towards the end of games. So, be, but to be fair, he's not been play, he's not been playing professional football, and he keeps on getting injured. So, I'm sure that's fine. The thing is, if PSG come in for thirty five, forty million pounds, I mean, we bought him for nineteen million. We're doubling the money we've already made. I don't think he's going to be a player we look at in the future and think. Oh, we should have kept him over Wamba Saka. Then we have Ethan Laird coming through the academy who's rated so highly, like even more highly than Williams. He can play right, can play on the left. And I've seen him and he looks like, potentially he looks really good and he looks like a really good alternative. So with Dallow, he's going to need games. And he's not going to get that game time with one Bissaka. So, if they do come in with, if they do come in with a big bid, I'll be fine then. But if not, I mean, I, I, I don't see any problem in him staying. It's another option, um, but it'll, it it will be bad for his development because he's not going to play as much. He'll probably be playing left back because that's where more of the opportunity will come. But yeah, I mean, if he is fit regularly, maybe one second can rest more because. I do think that's an issue within our squad where we just can't rest players because the the either the alternative isn't good or the alternative is injured. So yeah, makes sense. Uh, Dallo, my understanding, he can play on both wings or both fullback positions. Should I say, is that not the truth, or are you somebody who just rather see him on the on the right, Elijah? Um, he can play both. I mean, that's what they said when he came, and he has played both. Um, but to be honest, I've not even been impressed with him that much at right back. So him at so left back, a bit baby steps, yeah, yeah. Because even when he played left wing back versus Barcelona, he no, he didn't look it at all. So like he needs to focus on becoming a good right back and being able to have the stamina to get up and down the wing as a right back before he even starts thinking about playing on the wrong side as a full back as well. That sounds horrendous. Exactly. Uh, any thoughts you want to add to that, Seb? Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so for me, um, just kind of echoing uh, a lad's thoughts, um, if the money's there, I think we should take it. But obviously, from our point of view, yeah, we, we double uh, the price. But he, from his point of view, you've got to think about it. You're a 21-year-old uh, right-back and your club has just bought another 21-year-old right-back for £50 million. So automatically, regardless if you, you're a better attacker or you're better in a certain aspect, you're not getting the game time uh, or you're not getting the game time that you need. And then on top of that, you've got Fossey Munzer, who's just got an extended contract 
who can also play right back. So it's not that much of a miss if Dallow goes because you've got other players that can that can actually fill in that right back and can cover right back. Even Williams, who's right footed, can cover you know right back. So I don't feel like that's our biggest issue. And I'm not a fan of right footed players playing left back. Like in fact. It's not even. I, I don't. I feel even weird saying I'm not a fan of right-footed players playing left back. It's a Man United thing. Man United are the only top club club in recent in recent history that have been doing this type of inverted left back type of situation with Ashley Young and and Brandon Williams. It's like it's ludicrous. It makes no sense. A top club of Man United stature should not be playing a right-footed left back. Simple as that. Like every top team, even in fact every, every team in the Premiership. Has a left back, have a left, has a left footed, has a left footed left back. Maybe a couple of the bottom teams are doing some some next um, mix up and inshallah. But all the all of the top half teams, at least they've got a left footed player that can play there. That's the basis of football. That's just for balance. It just makes perfect sense. So for me, I don't want to see him play left back. I don't really, really want to see even Williams play left back. Um, the ideal scenario for me would be if we sold sold uh, Dallo for forty million, go buy a left back with that money. Do you know what I mean? Go buy a left back with that money to go and challenge, and then play, and then use Williams as understudy to uh, Wan Bissaka. That would be ideal for me. But um, yeah, Man United ain't that shrewd, so yeah, God knows what will happen. Cool. Um, I think this is a piece of news that we probably already knew about, but it came out today in the uh, United report. So uh, it, it looks like pre-COVID-19, the chances of Pogba leaving were pretty high, despite all the news we've heard. Some saying he was staying, some saying he was going. But as a result, and I guess this links back to what Ed Woodward said, the the transfer market is is going to be a different. It's going to be a different place this summer, and I'm using air quotes here because who who knows when exactly transfers are going to start and when the transfer window is going to open and close um, and if you have any thoughts on that and obviously said you're pretty much a card uh, holding member of the club who wants um, Pogba gone so less from you and probably uh, <laughs> more from uh, Elijah who has a more even killed feeling towards a certain Mr Pogba so uh, reading that report and hearing that it looks like he's, he's going to be staying come hell or high water are you happy? Um, relatively yes. Um, happy because it's another. It's our best player staying. You you can't be happy about that. Um, yeah. It just adds. It just to be honest. It like if we get, for example, if we get Sancho and Grealish, and we still have Pogba, it just adds a whole different dimension to the team because I think that with the players we have right now. We are amazing at transitioning. Pogba, Bruno, Martial, Rashford, then you have Greenwood. I think they all look amazing in transition. And that's why we look so good in the big games. But in those tight games we have decision where decision making has to be consistent and you have to have that sort of calm in tight areas. We have Sancho who has displayed that like when even in Germany, like it is a very transition-based league, but just watching him for England where he, he just always seems to make the right decision. There's a good way of pass. He doesn't, he, doesn't look, he doesn't look like he rushes anything. And it, it will just add a different... And then you have Grealish as well, who just looks like he glides all over the pitch anyway. So 
having someone like that to come off the bench and just add that, like, different, like, just that technical security, just being able to push teams back, keeping hold of the ball, like, playing, like, good combination play, because we know Martial and Rashford, they love to link up and do the quick interchanges. So, adding Sancho to that, adding Greedy to that, I think we already have Pogba, we already have Bruno. It's just adding so much. So, I do think with Pogba staying, I do think it will be very good. But it's just about what Pogba is consistently. And that's all it is. And it just depends on how, how he's used. What The thing is, if we do get these signings, he will have to have a defined role. I, I, I really don't want more of the nonsense where it just seems like it's every single phase of play Pogba is heavily involved. He has to have, there has to be a phase of play where we are able to cope with our <laughs> Exactly. To be honest. Because it's yeah. just, it's getting ridiculous because you, uh, it's just so annoying because It's getting you, ridiculous, man. It's really it, getting ridiculous. It's, it's just because he is to blame, like he is to blame in some parts because at the end of the day it's him playing football and him being inconsistent is his fault. But what, like it, it gets me so angry seeing a team so devoid of any structure or just ha- having to be carried on on the back of one player just to be able to get the ball into a final third and then even to do anything the final third. Like just having Bruno here is just a bit just has just made me relax a little bit because it's just another thing off shoulders back off of Pogba's back. But yeah, hopefully with Bruno and Central Ingredients, Pogba is less in the offensive third he's more in terms he's better he's more concentrated on build up and in the first third which I think that he is very underrated in and I think it's a role he plays brilliantly for France and I do think that it's something his his best games for me is are where where he's dominating in the build up whether that be while we're transitioning or while we're trying to break down teams whenever he's Mainly focused in the middle third, he looks amazing. So I think that is where his future lies for me. Cool. Um, and finally, I wanted to touch on a uh, interesting interview that was conducted by the Beautiful Game podcast. Uh, we'll post it on our timeline for those of you who haven't heard about it. But they uh, interviewed a certain Mr. Rio Ferdinand. And some uh, interesting takeaways. I mean, obviously, we always hear these stories through the grapevine, but it's always interesting to hear it uh, firsthand from somebody who was there obviously somebody who, who played at the top of the game for so long so just an interesting thing to discuss with them that I'd like to touch on just hear what you guys think so I think the first thing that I didn't necessarily know so much but he is a big he sounds like he's a big fan of Pogba big part of Pogba Hive so obviously he'd be having a few words with you uh, Seb if you were ever to cross paths but I think uh, the main thing that he, he mentioned in regards to Pogba and obviously the conversation with Sunes is that if he was poor Pogba, he would have definitely been a lot more spiteful and less respectful than Paul has been. And obviously, Sunes uh, thought that he kind of landed the haymaker when he said, well, well, we'll put our medals on the table. And he mentioned, well, not to mention that Paul's won stuff with us, but he's a World Cup winner. <laughs> Sunes hasn't got one of those. And he's won multiple league titles with Juventus. So that's the first thing I wanted to quickly touch on, just uh, if either of you have watched the interview and what your thoughts were on those particular comments that I've just mentioned. I'm going to go through a, a few more just to hear what you guys think as well. Yeah, so um, even like 
just before I got, get to that point, um, um, he was on the Pogba point and he also said that because um, they asked, have you spoken to Pogba? And he said, yeah, he's spoken to him a couple of times and he basically said to him um, that uh, he should pretty much like, you do the talking, let... Um, don't let, like, basically stop me, you know, from talking. You basically do the talking. So I found that interesting. And then, obviously, the, the conversation uh, progressed to the Sooners thing. And um, I feel like Rio was was right because he was pretty much saying, like, Pogba possibly doesn't know him. So how, um, you know, Sooners takes, like, is offended by that and, and they called, like, some emergency... MI5 meeting to discuss why Pogba doesn't know Graham Sooners. Um, I feel like that was totally unnecessary. But, um, you know, we've discussed on this pod, we feel like uh, Paul Pogba is a way better player than Graham Sooners. On the on their Beautiful Game podcast, uh, Rio definitely did say that uh, Graham Sooners is a top, top player. And I respect Rio, but, bro, I've seen the YouTube footage, so... You know what I mean? Like, um, we're, I'm just, we're just going to have to differ on that one. Um, but He's yeah. He's man. Yeah, yeah. Boy, ass, bro. Boy, do you know what I mean? Like, as I said, I've I seen the YouTube thing. Maybe, you know, when Rio was was younger and, you know, watching, maybe he saw something different. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's Boy, it. Some but, different clips, man. <laughs> yeah, but for me, I, 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 you know, from what I've looked like, what what I've looked at, um, you know, he wasn't really that good, and you know, same thing. Like Pogba could have maybe went on YouTube and looked after my my fam. Like, who's this guy saying my name? Like, I don't even know you. Like, you're 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 a bit whack still. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with what he said, and I definitely echo the 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 sentiment when Rio said that um, he would have been a bit more spiteful because you have to do that, fam. I'm not even playing and you're mentioning my name. Like, you're mentioning my name every single week without fail. Man United are warming up. You're like, I'm not even in the stadium. You're like, yeah. And Paul Pogba, you know, he should be here today. You know, like, fam, like, leave the kid alone, bro. Like, leave the kid alone. Like, you know, some things are banter, but my man had, like, I don't know, did, like, did Paul... Like, I don't know, did he beat his daughter? I don't know, like, what happened? Like, what's the personal thing between him and Paul? It's so interesting because it's specifically him. Out of all the players in the Premiership, it's specifically Paul Pogba. So it's it's quite interesting to see where that actually stems from. Like, I don't know, maybe my man tried to shake his hand in the tunnel or something like that, and Paul just, you know, aired him, just didn't know who he was, and, you know, it stems from them. But, yeah, it's proper word, man. And, yeah, sometimes you have to be proper spiteful to just shut it down. Like, I'm just going to... Like, you're here. I'm just going to go all the way here and... What I say is just gonna close this whole thing because just to sit, you're, you're mentioning my name too much, isn't it? Um, so that, yeah, man, I totally agree. That was Jose's whole f- philosophy. A little bit of disrespect, he will go all the way over the top, and it stops everything. People stop chatting your name. Man, man, man mentioned Van Gaal's <laughs> wife, <laughs> blood. <laughs> fam, fam, Mourinho is a devil, bro. My man, my fam. man mentioned Van Gaal's wife. He mentioned like, Van Gaal's um, wife, Benitez's wife. He mentions. Con- Conte's match fixing. Conte's bam. match, bruv, my bro. man. Hey, Mourinho's elite. Mourinho definitely read the book. Uh, the book Art of War. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mourinho definitely read the book nah. Art of War, bro. Like, yeah, look, Mourinho's a top guy still. Look, I've been massacred, my son. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, go on, but yeah, just going off the back of Semi Point, I think the whole interview was interesting because the general theme that I got from Rio was that he would just be a lot more outspoken in these times than he would have been then. Just over several issues, he, he said that looking back at it now, I should have done this more. And with Pogba, I, if I was responding to Sunas, I would have been more spiteful and stuff. So I do think the way, I think the game, the game has changed in terms of being a personality as a footballer. I think before you would have to be very media trained, very cautious with your answers because in a weird way, I do think the press has kind of calmed down, especially for the England team. That whole England team, the amount of like glare they were under, just like, I still remember the 2006 World Cup and all the wag stuff and all that stuff. It was crazy. Like every single thing, it was scrutinised. There were scandals coming out all that time. So like, though, like, the England players back then, they were very, like, probably except for Rooney, to be fair. They just tried to toe the line, really. But I think Rio, I think he's seen that ish. As it mounts up, it just it's going to keep going and going. And then eventually, there will there'll be a straw to break the camel's back. And I think in, I think in this interview, he, you could see there were so many times where he, he just said he would have been so much more outspoken, so much more disrespectful because at the end of the day, this guy's what, 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 one, what, six? Um, six Premier League trophies. I think outside of, of like the 92, I think that's the most of any Premier League player, I think. Yeah. And then he's what? He's um, got a Champions League. Like, he's certified in history as one of the best... English centre-backs ever if not the best so like when when you're at that stage like I do like I I, I do respect what he was saying because he I think he wishes he was able to be more of a like outspoken character and more of a leader not just for like not just in terms of um pushing back with the media in terms of being a more of a role model to black kids and black players and your younger black, black, black players because even talk about the Stern situation and stuff like that, you, you could tell that like, he wasn't impressed at all. Like Sterling, Ravel, like, it was really interesting to l- listen to him speak, to be, to be honest. Yeah, he touched on his uh, relationship with John Terry, didn't he? They, they don't talk anymore. Um, and he also touched on the incident between Patrice Evra and uh, Luis Suarez and how he advised Patrice that he should shake uh, Suarez's hand. And after Suarez moved his hand, that's when Rio had to move his. The blood of my enemies, that's how we're moving. The enemy of, my, the enemy of my friend, my enemy. Rio's a real one for that still. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Um, like how he said it is basically, he said Patrice um, came up to him uh, before the game. He's like, oh, I don't know what to do. Just ask for advice. And um, Rio's like, you know what? Just be the bigger man. You know, let's let's sort it out on a pitch. Basically, you're saying sort it on a pitch after it's done. Do you know what I mean it is what it is? So Patrice actually tried to be the bigger guy, even though he was the one that was abused. And Suarez moved his hand, and real like a real G backed it, moved his hand, and didn't shake my man's hand. And I definitely respect that because, but that 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 just goes to like a certain mentality, bro. I feel like 
that's just ingrained in like a certain type of footballer, bro. Like because even on the podcast, it spoke about the talent that um, that the Premiership has from inner city London, especially like South London, where he's particularly from. And he's you know they reeled off uh, loads of names of uh, up and coming players or talented players that are currently in the Prem or that have played in the Prem that come from where he's from. And that's more so that's a more of an arting, a more of a like a well, I don't want to say streeting, but it's more like like you back your brethren, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Type of thing, like do you know what I mean? Type of mentality, which I I definitely respect. Um, it, it, you know, I I definitely expect like if, for example, flipping, uh, don't know, for argument's sake, say Sancho just come in United and uh, an episode like that happened and someone didn't shake Rashford's hand. Sancho is not shaking that person's hand. <laughs> Sancho's not shaking that person's hand. Bam. And I feel like it's like I I love that. It's like where you're from. Like yeah, you're pro- you're a professional, but where you're from, like so many people can relate to that action where you just backed your friend and you've done it in a professional way. You ain't beat nobody up, you ain't beat no one up or whatever. But not shaking his hand for me was a a a, a big statement. Um, the thing I love is that I remember in like the first two minutes of that game as well. After Suarez didn't shake the hand, Ever and Rio both tried to clatter Suarez at, at the same time. They were chomping at the bit, man. They, they were. Blood. I, I could tell Rio was. I could. I just remember that I could tell Rio was fuming. He tried to wipe out Sorry, sorry, like proper on, on a keen thing. Like he was fuming. So like, see, see him say that. I, I, I was. I was actually surprised he told um, Everard that um he should shake his hand because with Everard, I know he's very um stubborn and very um. Headstrong. So for him to go to um, Rio and ask ask for his advice, and I would have expected the same thing from Rio. But for him to say shake his hand, be a bigger man, I guess it was it 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 was kind of the point I was making earlier about trying to um, placate the media and play down the stuff. But I proper respect the fact that um, because you know what, in my head, it's been kind of changed. I, I always remember it as Evra didn't shake Suarez's hand, but then I, 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 I was watching it back and I realised, yeah, Suarez was the one who didn't shake Evra's hand. And it, I, I think it's just because it just didn't make sense to me because it, it was always like Suarez w- was, the, was trying to act like the victim when he was the one who basically uh, uh, abused him. But yeah, it's definitely big, big respect to, to um, Rio for that. And it, does, it, it, it really does show where, where he, he, he comes from, to, to be honest. For real, for real. Um, finally, I wanted to touch on some news in regards to the Prem potentially starting back up again. So I think the latest thing that I, I've seen in the papers is the idea of a, a potential hotel lockdown. So essentially, um, for is it six six, six playing weeks? weeks? Yeah, yeah. six playing yeah. weeks left. So essentially, um, all clubs would have a hotel that they would stay in for the six weeks. And obviously, Man United, you know how we do it, with the Lowry, nothing else. Uh, you'd have a hotel that you stay in for six weeks, and the away teams, and you'd have half of the hotel, and then the away team would have the other half. And every time after the away team left, they'd get a deep clean, the hotel would get a deep clean, and then another away team would come in. Um, also come out is that uh, it seems that the government and the Premier League are on the same page that as soon as it's possibly viable for play, uh, the Premier League to start up again, they want it to start up as uh, soon as possible. I think even to the point that uh, foreign players who are abroad have been asked to 
get back to this country by next Tuesday. Uh, we'll verify those reports. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts, A, on the hotel lockdown and what rooms will be getting in the Lowry? And um, <laughs> secondly, the idea of the Premier League starting up again not too, in not too long, relatively not too long. In regards to the hotel thing, they're trying to make football come like Love Island. <laughs> I mean, they're trying to do a Love Island thing, six week thing, um, which is uh, it's interesting. But do you know what? I guess like the theory around it works in it. Like, you, you know, the theory is okay, you're basically self isolating. Um, do you know what I mean? So everybody's self isolating together. So the theory around it works. But just uh, when you think about all the moving parts, you know, all the people, all the people that have families. Like, just everything, going to the shop, the chefs, everything, yeah. Everything's going to have to be perfect for nothing to happen. Um, And I understand, um, you know, why they want to bring football back. And I'm pretty much, like, on that side now. I'm just like, I'm tired now. Like, everyone keeps talking about bringing football, bringing football back. All right, cool, whatever, bring it back. But one thing you have to, you know, you have to understand is you have to be careful because nobody knows what they're doing. With this corona thing, we're still shooting in the dark, isn't it? So we don't know about if there's a second rate of infection. Nobody knows. So everybody's like, oh, once you've been infected, you can go out. You don't know if you can catch it again. It's not been proven. Like, do you know what I mean? There currently isn't no vaccine. Um, so it's just it's, it's, it's just interesting. But then obviously on the flip side, one of the uh, the reasons why the government's going so hard for football to come back is, is morale of the country. Do you know what I mean? And this is quite interesting because, um, you know, you've got two three, four, four, three, two, three weeks ago, you had the government, you know, on the footballers' backs, oh, wage cuts, wage cuts. Now Bro. they're saying, oh, bring football back because of the, to boost the morale of the country. Bro. And yeah, now I you think... understand how important footballers are, how important football is to everyday life. It's not, a ju- it's not just about kicking the ball and whatever, whatever. Like, it's, 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 it's a sociable thing. Like, I can stay... Like, if, for example, if we had this lockdown and we had this lockdown okay, let's say for two, three months, you could stomach it if you had a football one. Football would be on, you're like, oh, fuck it. You know what? Yeah. At least it's born. I can stomach it. Boost morale. Something to talk about. Something to laugh about. Whatever. No football one at all. The country's actually suffering. And it's interesting because, like, now you're seeing how big of an impact football is to this nation. It's, it's, it's massive. So I don't ever, I don't think that players' wages should ever, ever be questioned again because they're actually begging for football to come back. It's, it's, a, it's, a, culture, it's a cultural impact, isn't it? Um, I think we've, we've been inside now for quite a while and um, I don't know how it was for you guys, but when I was out briefly over the weekend, it was a lot busier than it has been in the last few weeks. And I think yeah. the nation's gotten to a, a stage where people are, are frustrated with with being inside, being cooped up. So, yeah, you're, you're completely right in, in terms of how important football is to the culture. Saturday afternoon, that's what people are used to watching. Even if you're not going to the games, that's you on the, uh, that's you um, engaged with Sky, uh, soccer, soccer Saturday on, on Sky Sports. And then the same thing on Sunday. It takes up your whole your whole Sunday. A lot of the time, it takes up Friday evening all the way through to Monday evening. So the the quicker that can come in and you know mood the li- uh, lift the mood a bit, as they like to say. Do you want me to lift the mood a bit? Play a bit of football. <laughs> <laughs> Play a bit of football. Yeah. Um, what were you gonna say, Elijah? Because I, I did cut you um, there. I think I do think the whole idea is a bit ridiculous because I'm thinking 
a hotel six week that's fine home team and away team the away team's gonna have to travel in I mean that's got that's that's potential contact with loads of people and then will this hotel like it will have to be a few neutral venues because having all these players travel all across the UK just doesn't sound like a good idea traveling by train or by plane or whatever it, it's just it, it's just giving too much potential for so much contact and in the worst case scenario a player does contract it that's the whole squad out for two weeks so what's going to happen then like it's, it's so uh, I don't know it's just so I think like we're trying to run before we can walk with Germany it's, it's understandable because they've controlled the stem they've had as many infections as us but they've had about a tenth of the deaths or something stupid like that so with Germany them being able to do it until say we're going to open up May 8th they've shown a uh, a capability of being able to deal with it properly and like stem, like stem the flow of deaths and stop people from dying. Basically, like there, there, there are at least like four hundred people dying a day with this. So like, be so like just increasing the risk of people being able to contract and then it spread. It seems a bit really ridiculous to me. Um, I, I do think, yeah, I think it's. I think I understand the mor- morale thing because. It like without football, like the like the, the country doesn't really the 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 country so, socially is just not there. Like even just looking at the World Cup 2018 when England got so far, I've never seen the country that happy in my life. Like the sun was shining more, people were walking around London smiling. Like I've never seen like I've never seen that before. So just what football's able to do for society is is crazy, but I mean it's not. It, I don't think it should be it should be put at the risk of like having a second wave of all these infections because they've done a calculation. They are they have there has to be at least three hundred people at every single game, and like boy, yeah that. Yeah, that across all the like the professionals who have to yeah. be involved for everything to to work properly. So nice. it is a literal life and death situation. Who would have thought the wildest lad on uh, making out a great again, uh, preaching the most caution, and just to uh, <laughs> double down on some of the numbers he used. Uh, I think we've been in and around eight hundred deaths a day for the last week, uh, yeah, yeah. maybe 10, 10 days a week. And Germany's deaths with a similar rate of infection is five thousand deaths, while we're at twenty one thousand deaths. So I, I'm yeah. with both of you in terms of looking at the bigger picture and making sure we have a true handle on the situation before going any further. And the worst so, thing, we're, sorry, we're at 21,000 deaths and that's just in the hospitals, not mm-hmm. accounting for care homes or at home or whatever. Um, other figures suggest that we're at 40% higher than what's actually been, um, that's, what, that's, that's, what, that's what's been said on the news. So it's just hospitals that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's an absolute madness. Like, I think last week, the actual figures were uh, published by, I don't know, whoever it publishes was, the proper figures. Yeah. It was like 40,000 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was absolutely, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, man. They done, I think it was the ONS, they, um, because um, they, they um back they backlog it a week, so they do it weekly. Yeah. So they're able to get in 
the all they're able to get in the proper deaths from the morgues and stuff and like that and and the actual cause of it and they said like they calculated it and they said like it's at least double the figure and that's including so and and that's cal- that that's taken in care homes and homes and stuff like that so like just thinking about that a full forty two thousand that can feel like what like you think about goodson park like that could probably fill that stadium so like all those amount of people are dead and like like mate like being a like when stuff when things like that happen and then i don't think it's right just just to risk a second wave because as much as they might tell people to stay at home we saw with paris versus dortmund people came out to stand around the stadium even though inside the stadium there were, there were no fans so like how how are you going to be able, able to police that like as much as as much as people have tried to stay at home now they're coming out more if football does come back there's a potential that people will just go outside and start to mingle more and it it it, it does it it has a potential to be really bad that like, be really bad so yeah i think it has to be like there has to be a big caution with them bring bring it back because I don't think it would be suitable to bring back before the end of May, at least. I agree with both of you wholeheartedly. And some good practice there um, suggested by the two of you. Proud of you, lads. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, uh, our throwback game this week was the 3-2 Classic against AC Milan. Uh, this game takes me back because I remember so much of my memory around the time. Um, did you both catch it? Um... I caught the yeah. highlights. I caught, caught, but I didn't watch the full game, now. Yeah, it's normally not like you. So I've just probably yeah, just watched the goals. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> so um, just just um, taking you guys back, I'll, I'll give um, a bit of a backstory to the to the game. So, like I say, it was in the um, 06-07 season, uh, April the 24th at Old Trafford. Uh, we won 3-2. That was the same season that we had batted Roma. Yeah, and the reason I remember it so clearly because obviously that was the first season that Ronaldo was emerging as a, a star, superstar. And before the game against the tie against Roma, uh, Amantino Mancini had scored like a wicked goal against Lyon. It was like he'd done like three or four step Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Oh <laughs> my god, I loved that goal. I loved shifted that goal. It, yeah, shifted it left foot and it went top corner. And then yeah. he ran and then he did some like celebration dancing around the yeah. corner flag. Mm. And I'll never forget it because I was watching it with my friend and on Sky Sports when they were playing it, they play some like old school like Frank Sinatra music with it, and we were just cracking up, man. <laughs> yeah, we were just cracking up, man. It was like. Unforgettable. <laughs> so anyway, the, the Roma the Roma players were hyping like, oh yeah, Ronaldo this, Ronaldo that. But Man, um, Mancini and Totti are both better than Ronaldo. And me and my friend were like, ah, cool, we'll take Totti. He's a bad boy. We'll, we'll respect mm. you not saying Totti's better. But we ain't having you not saying Mancini's better. Then we his step were crazy, though. Yeah, they his were crazy. <laughs> no, no, but like, he, was, his step was were crazy. He was able to do the mad step was like... Rapidio at that point. Yeah, 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 and then shift track. into whatever di- direction he wanted to go to. So we're like, so we battered them, boom, Mancini dealt with. So then obviously, the man were talking like, oh yeah, Kaka's better than Ronaldo. We're like, all right, then we'll, we'll see, we'll see what you lot are saying, innit? Um, that was a good game. That was a really good game. What I remember back, which didn't feel that way when we were watching it, was how much better than them we were. 
how much better than we were. So the lineup we actually played um, on the night, we had Van der Sar in goal. We had John O'Shea at right back with a uh, Gabriel Ainsé and Wes Brown centre-back partnership. Patrice Evra at left-back. In midfield, we had Scholes, Carrick and Fletcher. We had Giggs, Ronaldo and Rooney as our front three. Obviously, a 4-3-3, 4-5-1, depending on um, the different phases of play. Um, we were good. We were good. But, I mean, you can't really look past Kaka, can you? You can't look past Kaka and those two, three moments of brilliance that he had he had throughout the game. Um, I remember when I watched it, when we watched it originally, when I came into school the next day, my friend was like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we won. But, you know, two away goals, we have to go back to theirs. Seedorf bossed it. So I was like, no, 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 I don't remember Seedorf bossing it. And he's like, all right, fine. I'm going to have to come and watch the second half with you so I can show you what he was on. Like, because obviously you weren't watching it properly. So I was watching it now to be like, oh, did he boss it? Maybe... He didn't boss it, man. He didn't boss it. So I'll be letting him know that, first of all. Um, he was a player that Kaka did link up the most with going forward, naturally, because it was, it was Gilardino up front. But what were you lot's takeaways from, from the game? Sorry, I've gone into a rant because it was a real nostalgic game uh, for me. I remember that season uh, so so clearly. Fam, yeah, no, I definitely remember that. Um, fam, what are my, my takeaways to the game? I feel like... One, Alex Ferguson is a demon because the team that we had out was, you know, we had loads of injuries, you know, as you said um, before the pod. When no Rio, no Vidic, yeah. yeah. no Rio, no Vidic, Lewis Saha, Lewis Saha Gary Neville. Gary Neville, uh, Jason yeah. Park, you know you Jason love Park. Park. Yeah, you love know Park, Park in, in the, the big games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of them were out. Um, and yeah, man, like literally to, to, to do what he done with, uh, the players on the field on that day was phenomenal. Um, one fam, I, I I'm going to have to say it, bruv. The only, like Wayne Rooney, yeah, he is probably the third biggest game player ever, ever. I'm just going to have to say that, man. I say Ronaldo and Messi. And I'm talking about players that I've watched, not you Twitter guys are going to be telling me George Best scored a winner like in in, in 90, flipping 72 or whatever he played or whatever, bruv. I'm talking about from the players I've watched, yeah. When it comes to the big moments, bruv, Wayne Rooney, absolutely phenomenal, man. He like, loves it. Phenomenal. He loved it. He fucking loves it, bruv. He loves it. It's, it's unreal to just watch back because, you know what, when I watch back and I look at all these other players, like, some of these players, I'm just I'm just not impressed anymore. Do you know what I mean? I think nostalgia was definitely clouding, um, you know, a lot of my view of, of, of certain players. But now that I look back and I watch Wayne Rooney, bro, like, he definitely deserves all the hype. He definitely... That's definitely the reason he was my favorite player. Like, and and also to kind of cross between topics here, yeah, um, in the beautiful game podcast, they asked about Van Dyke. Um, I still need to listen to the rest of it, but he was. They were basically saying, like, Rio basically said when he was playing, there was eight, nine world class centre backs. You know. At that time, so you've got eight, nine world-class centre backs all battling to be the number one centre back and to be rated as one of the best centre backs of your era at that time definitely carries more weight then because he's saying right now who's there? Just literally Van Dyke, like on that type of level. There's literally just Van Dyke, and you look at that game and you say, "Wow, Rooney's playing against Nesta." Do you know what I mean Nesta, world-class 
absolute legend. Do you know what I mean? You get Rooney playing against... And then, fam, Paul Scholes and that. See me, I'm not the biggest Paul Scholes shout... Like, I don't shout for the rooftops when it comes to Paul Scholes, but I definitely respect him. I definitely feel like he, he, he was world-class. The system we played, along with the teams we were in, um, Paul Scholes, for me, when it comes to our generation, is underrated. But players that played with him... Or, or or people of that generation definitely rate him, but the assist for Rooney's goal, man, phenomenal. That, that like, assist, I don't even know yeah. what to that say, was, bro. That was football. That was football. Football, bro. That is that media is. central. That fam. is media central, right there. Do you know what the worst thing fam, is? Fam. <laughs> fam, that assist is so crazy because that's if you remember the four the four two game at Highbury, yeah, there was four. Do- O'Shea goal. He done, he done something like that as well. Just mm. first time. Just dinks it o- o- over the defence. Like, he... The thing... Like, he he was crazy. Like, that assist you, you, is crazy. You, you have to think... Fam, I, I kept on replaying that assist because you have to think about the levels, bro. The levels just to, to pull that off, yeah. Semi-final of a Champions League. Semi-final of a Champions League. He done it like it was just... It was done it like just the next thing. Like, fam. He, Oh, that's absolutely football. That's, football. that's when the football's in your blood, man. It was Fam. almost like if he was playing about with his friends, that's what he would have done. Exactly. Just the ball came to him and it was almost instinct. And I remember um, another memory from the time, Alan Ball, he was one of the World Cup, the 1966 winning squad. Um, mm-hmm. He died that week and his son was talking and his son was saying that it's crazy his dad just died because they were talking the other day about that assist that Paul Scholes gave and he was just talking about how good of a player he Paul Scholes was and just how he encapsulates everything that's great about British football. And yeah, that, that was that was a moment of sheer genius. What yeah. I, I remember looking back uh, as the game was, Ronaldo was on it. I don't think he passed the ball once. Um, he was he was on Ronaldo was on was on stepovers cutting and inshallah that's what Ronaldo was on bruv he'll do some stepovers he'll cut in and he'll try to smack it from far and you know what was actually quite funny as well it was good it was funny to see because again as I talk about nostalgia and whatever and that yeah it's like alright cool Ronaldo had a couple of free kicks afterwards Giggs was like oh, give me the ball man Giggs, Giggs was on the ball Giggs was taking the free kicks and that um, obviously he missed and whatever but Ronaldo, like he, he, I don't know, bro. Like, they, they, you know, for me, for me, like I definitely see the similarities between him and Rashman. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see the similarities. Like when I look back and I look at him and look at his frame, look at everything other than other than the the his his leap is I don't even know. I've never seen anything like it. The way how he jumps up for a header is is crazy. And he hangs. He hangs even for the first even for the first goal. <laughs> Even for the first Norman, goal. Norman. They gave that to him in the end, didn't they? Because I remember when we lost, yeah, I was like, yep, Ronaldo got his goal. I'm happy, bro. Saka <laughs> <laughs> didn't see, but Ronaldo got his goal and Rooney got his goal. Cause they were, so they're all levels, yeah? My friends are like, oh, come on, man. He needs to a proper goal, man. Not no deflecting off Dida's hand thing. But yeah, he's always had that insane leap. And then you think back to when we played Real, and I remember that leap for his goal to uh, mm-hmm. equalise at the Bernabeu. And Fergie was like to Evra first when they came in, oh, you could have challenged him. And then he watched it as like, ah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, there's nothing you could have done about Fam, that. Like, this, when, once Ronaldo's in the air, there's literally nothing you can Fam, do. There's nothing you can do. Once he's in the air, just try and... Slap his knees or something, man. Like, yeah, fam. <laughs> there's, literally, do, there's literally nothing you can do, yeah. And then, so like, when I look at Ronaldo, I was like, listen, 
was like, fam, Rash can literally be this. Like, he can literally be this. Like, and then this is why, like, I kind of, I look at this Man United team and I look at the players we have and I'm thinking, fam, like, we are two, three years away from absolute madness. If the basics get, are there, man. Yeah, if the we get the is- recruitment right, we're, well, we're, we're, we're from a madness. The one thing that really, really annoys me is, is the, the thing that we've been missing is we need a hungry number nine. So mm. Marshall needs to be more hungry, bro. Because when I look at Rooney, bro, the guy is just... Fam, like, I don't even know how to describe it, bro. Like, the guy that, is all action, bro. He's literally all that's action. The thing. That's the thing. With, like, that game was crazy. Because I remember we scored early. I remember going to that game nervous because all the, all the injuries. We scored early. And then Kaka came. And he just ruined, he tried to ruin my whole day. Just tried to ruin my whole day. Yeah, he ruined everyone's hands. Like, oh my God. Fam. The head you know what? Do you, know you know what? Yeah. I remember, I remember that so clearly because like how it happened was like, we had a, we had a corner. Yeah. And um, I think like O'Shea or somebody pushed Maldini. And so the yeah. corner got called off. So as they're showing the highlight, next thing you know, I kept <laughs> heading the ball and Heinze and Finger banging into yeah, each other. Yeah. And it's like, what? How did he? Sorry? Excuse me? <laughs> and it was literally like, the only thing that did make it a complete comedy of errors is that uh, Everett didn't fall over when he fell into Heinze. Heinze fell Damn. over. But Everett yeah. like, still managed to um, stay stay up. And that's the only thing that like, didn't have him that he just set all his op- opponents on the floor because he got the ball, the ball in the air. He had the 50 50 with Fletcher, dealt with Fletcher. These lot come like, let's get him. And then just gently, <laughs> gently just heads it in between them, clatter into each other, and then boom. But you know what? Almost the first finish impresses me more. Fred Sadoff plays him in, and then that first touch is literally the touch to set because he sees I've got the space here, and then he finishes it left foot. Van der Sar hasn't even set his feet. Van der mm. Sar is still getting the positions where he can get his angles right. And you know, sometimes when you people are like, oh, the keeper was beaten too early, it's because yeah. they haven't even planted their yeah, um, yeah. they haven't even planted their feet for where they're gonna make a save from. So it's like, oh, the ball's just gone by his feet, but his feet were still moving. So I remember one touch, get it out into space, a left foot slot, and then he had a couple of like long shots from like 30 yards. You know when a guy's just like, okay, it's all on me tonight. It's all on me. It's all on me, bro. Just like, I've got a yard. Just get out of my feet. He should have had a hat-trick though. He had a couple good, like, better chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there was one where Seedorf played it back to him and he kind of volleyed it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he should have had a hat-trick. They're, they're, they're guys who are linking up in the in the final um, but obviously Perlo at the back doing the, the, the usual the look at the stuff. team we played against man you know that, what? that team was that, that legend when you that do you know when you're when you're looking at when you're looking at the names being um, reeled off that's just that's just legends there man Dida Fam. arguably the greatest black keeper ever I don't know Fam. how much of a credit that is but the title <laughs> is uh, yeah. Maldini Gattuso Fam. Seydorf Nesta Pirlo Kaka uh, Ancelotti, you know how I feel about him. And then yeah, obviously, <laughs> you're, you're talking about when you're watching back, you're talking about football heritage, and then you're looking back and you're seeing Van der Sar, you're seeing Ronaldo and Rooney who are still making their reputations, but you're talking about Ryan Giggs, a football institution, poor goals as well. So it was it was lovely to watch. That period was so great. That team was, that was... so great, and that is going to be probably I can't imagine loving another team like that for the rest of my time as Manchester United oh, oh, oh. because it was like we literally grew up with Ronaldo and Rooney Fam. Yeah, yeah. we saw them it, come yeah. in as kids and we like, even Rooney was still like he was still like chubby and kind of had yeah, like babyish yeah. 
He's yeah. kind of had that baby look to him where like he's got a baggy, baggy shirt. Fam, fam, <laughs> fam. I was, I was watching it, yeah, and I was watching it and I was saying, fam, this is when I loved football. I was like, this Bro. is when I loved football. Like really, really, like as in, I actually wanted to play football. I loved watching football. Like, and I don't think I'd ever love football like I love football at that period. Even if we go on to win titles, just that, that period was just so special. Nah, it was just was, such a special period, bro. There was something different about that team, man. Like, I, I don't know where it was, but I think it was the way that it just came together. Like, it was almost like building blocks and then we just saw players grow. Like, we saw players come in, have a tough time, like even Fletcher, Vidic, Evra. Like, we saw all these players come in and then it just grew into, like, one of the best team, like, just the best team in the world. Mm. And, like, just just a certain team. And then, it, it like, it's just crazy watching it back because those Rooney goals, like, that's that celebration for that second goal. I oh don't think that must be top five most gas I've oh ever been. Real talk. You know what? Packed in. Packed in. I could have cried. In. in that moment, I could have cried when he scored that goal because yeah. I was like, you know what? Yeah, this this is fake. We're gonna win the the the, the um, Champions League, man. And like, <laughs> I, I just felt it. I just I I was so excited. I I just I was like, bam, it's gonna happen. Like and that you- goal. That goal, you you could just see the fact that Rudy himself couldn't control himself. Like he just who played him in again? I think it was Giggs. I yeah, was Giggs. Yeah, a line Giggs. drive, a line drive, yeah. and then who did he have the yard on? Was it Mother? Nesta? I think. I think it was Nesta. Nesta. Yeah. That's a big man, you know. And then yeah, he just he let it go, and then Dina wasn't ready for it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Dina expected him to it. shoot from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Again, 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 I don't think Dina expected him to shoot from. That is one of my enduring memories. And then I remember the leg, because obviously they weren't in the title race in Italy. So on the weekend, yeah. they were able to rest their players, but we were competing for the title. So we had to yeah. play everybody. And then when mm. we went to San Siro, the flattest 3-0 loss, man. We, oh, didn't even, we didn't even put up a fight. Packed we got guys like Gilardino scored against you. Bro. Wait, wait, cried, is that, is that, is that, is that the game? Sleep, bro. Is that the game <laughs> when Inzaghi scored one of my f- favourite finishes? Like the rep, like it was like a, the way how he, uh, he went through one-on-one and he just like, the Cole was a soul phenomenal. I think Inzaghi scored it was, in my memory, it's Seedorf, who had like a right foot kind of volley. Yeah. Kaka scored. And then Gelardino. Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking about a different game. And right. I remember cool. it, was ra- it was raining at the San Siro. And like, oh, yeah, like and Gattuso man-marked <laughs> uh, uh, Ronaldo. Is that a game Gattuso <laughs> man-marked Ronaldo? I think so. I think so. Oh, I my, he, he battered Ronaldo in that game. Oh, so cold. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. it was such a cold, cold night, man. Like, Ronaldo in that game. We were playing. I think our closest like, chance was did Ryan Giggs have a free kick? I think uh, like he had a free I, kick that was like on target and that was like the closest we got. I did. We, we, we just got battered, fam. <laughs> yeah, was he, he battered Ronaldo that game. I remember, like I said, he was on him. Like, Ronaldo didn't have a, a sniff that game. I think they just said, yeah, Coutinho, listen, stay on stay on Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually remember that game. Herrera on Hazard job, boy. Yeah, literally. You don't, have to, literally. you don't have to do nothing else. Just make literally. sure this guy... Because Ronaldo, yeah, he obviously was still... He was causing them trouble in that first leg, naturally. It's cutting in, beating players, shooting, shooting when he should have passed, play players in. But, you know, you can't allow him to get too much of a... Uh, like, you can't allow him to get his teeth into a game because when he gets mm. his teeth into a game, it's hard to take it back off him. Now, that was... that was I really enjoyed I really enjoyed watching that. At the time, I knew we were going out because, like, yeah, they were able to score too easily against us. They got two away goals. Yeah. I'm not going to the San Siro to do a madness. 
but that was one of my favorite, favorite results, man. In my memory, though, which was the only part of my memory that was shaky, it was 2-1 for ages, and we scored two goals in the last, like, 10 minutes. But Did we not? We no, 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 no. It was uh, Rooney made it 2-2 at, like, 60 minutes. Swear, I know I'm it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I, like swear, he, I swear, I swear, that's swear what I remember. it was back to back. I I swear, like two what, minutes. That's what I remember in my memory as well. Like, oh, two, two. Oh, if we could just get one more, if we could just yeah, get yeah. one more, then we had a couple of close chances. And then last minute, last kick of the game, he scores. But no, we were actually at two, two for time. Um, Carrick missed a great chance from a corner where it came to him at the back post. And mm. there was nobody there, and he sized for it. He volleyed it, side foot volley. Yeah, wide. Yeah. And it was literally all you had to do was put on target. And yeah. the only way Deed is saving that is if he pulls off a world of a save. There was mm. a cross from Giggs that Rooney just missed in the first half. Yeah. Giggs was pretty good as well. Giggs was pretty good mm. as, um, as well in that Hey, game. Giggs, yeah. Yeah, go Giggs, on. yeah. Speak on, on it. Speak on it. Fam, he's le- his later career, I'm going to have to give him some respect, bro. That no guy, thing. yeah? Gonna give him some respect. I can't give him too much respect because of what, what he done. But that guy, oh, yeah. the Rodri team, we can't give him too much respect because the Rodri team. Yeah, we'll but, that, that, that guy, yeah, is is wavy. Like in yeah. terms of what he was able, to, like the fact that he was actually oh, like a touchline winger, like get chalk on your beats winger, and was able to go past man so easily and stuff like that and he changed That's testament to his natural footballing oh. ability I'm and not forget, not forget an article I read where mm-hmm. it was like obviously because he's fast naturally in England um, we play him on wide but yeah. like when teams in Europe had always I think a few Italian teams had been interested in him yeah. around 90 like, between like 98 yeah. and 2-ish the idea was always to play him centrally that they were always able to see that vision and te- technical execution. You know I don't forget, there was one clip, sorry, there was one clip yeah. he posted like a week or so ago where he did a, like a mad just like outside the foot pass with his left foot to somebody. And it was just like, I thought it was like it was to create a chance. He was probably even older than he was now. So probably like 38, yeah. 39. And it was just like a mad techers on the pass here yeah, outside of the foot. And he was like, nah, this gigs guy, man. And I was like, we forget that period where he was able to change his game completely and become a playmaker, a link, man. Techie as hell, man. And you know It's mad. The fact that you say that makes sense because you've, you've seen a lot with Ancelotti. He plays wingers in mid a lot, actually. So it actually makes sense that in Italy, they were looking at him and saying, this guy is too techie just to put out wide and just make him beat men and just cross it in. For um, Giggs, he, he, he's mad because, yeah. even, because even there was a time where he used to play behind the striker as well and he was moving crazy, like just the, his touch, his close control. Uh, he, he, he was a proper player, but he's a dickhead. So, I, feel, like, I feel like, I feel like um, definitely if, um, you know, kids, especially like, I, I feel like we've got that thing where we just don't rate Ryan Giggs. Um, mm. His football ability, obviously, his personal life is whatever in it. But when it comes to his football ability, I don't know. It's just something regarding football Twitter that we just don't rate him. Uh, I don't it's know, maybe because he wasn't. Yeah, his stats wasn't good. The, maybe wasn't he wasn't the sauciest of, of players or whatever. However, the thing, nah, he. If, the thing is, he was actually saucy as well. He because, was, but he's like you know, he's not the person that you look to and you go and check the compilation in it. Like uh, he's he's somebody that you remember. Like if you're a Man United fan, you can remember. But the general football Twitter uh, don't really remember his sauciest 
closest moments. So they're just like, oh, yeah, whatever, ranking, look at the stats or whatever. But when you look at, uh, fam, I just keep going back to his later career. When you look at his later career and how he played, and I just remember, because I was at the game, yeah. You were also about um, this game, bro. Fam, the West Ham game, bro. The, the West Ham game. Every week, bro. Fam, coming up. fam that West Ham game, because I went, yeah. And the thing is, my friends are West Ham fans, but I actually paid for a away ticket to be with the Man United away fans. And it was so expensive and we were losing. And I was rattled. <laughs> I was so rattled that I've come, I paid so much money for a away fan ticket and we're losing, bro. The pass to RVP. It's ridiculous, Fucking man. hell, bro, man. Absolutely it's... special. But the touch from RVP as well. Yeah. And the finish was out of this world. Like, the, and the for me, yeah, man. Sense. Yeah, that's, like... That's the... Like, that touch doesn't even make sense. Yeah, why no, you take it more my respect, on the outside man. of your foot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was he, he was he was a player whose uh, his reputation has obviously played a part in how people look at him. But I think you're right, Sebi, when you talk about it's it's the stats and mm. people don't necessarily give him that respect for completely transforming his game. I think that 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 says a lot about a player's football ability, the ability for your physical attributes to diminish. And for you to use your other skills, so obviously your mental skills and technical skills, to be able to, to contribute at an advanced age to Manchester United's success mm. at that level. Uh, I think the standout season I remember from him is the season where we had the away kit, white kit, Sky, with the red stripe. The red, so it was like a white kit, away kit was white, and then there's like a red line, red line. And I remember, did he score a brace against Liverpool? I think he oh, scored like a... That, that, that must have been an old, like, was, was that like 2000 or something? Yeah, something around then. Yeah, I think it was Forlan about? Maybe, maybe. I think but so, because that think, must have been when Forlan scored too, right? At, yeah, I think that was the same season. I think he might have scored two at Anfield, and then we played somebody, and I can't remember, but Giggs won us a game 2-1. That is the mm. season in my memory that I stand out. I remember him having, like, particularly clutch moments for us where I was like, mm. yeah, this guy, is he's kind of carried us this season. But obviously, yeah. you're talking about, wow, what, 20 years ago? <laughs> Way to feel old, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for all United fans, um, that is definitely a, a game I recommend to, to watch from the, from the archives. It, it had it all, man. It had the passion. It had the skill. It That's... had the last-minute win. I think Damn. there was... Kaka did something mad at the start and I think he like rattled Wes Brown and Heinze yeah. and then the camera went to Rio and Vidic and they were bare like you know what I, I wish I was out there like oh, <laughs> yes yes yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I remember this. that I remember yeah. that they were like yeah you should have done this like yeah, yeah like the way they were yeah. talking I remember that still but yeah, nah. like I, but I swear Champions League nights at Old Trafford didn't even feel feel like that tour, 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 towards the end as well like that was For a real. special a- atmosphere man that was like when did you score that goal? I, I, I don't think I've heard Old Trafford that loud until Mc... Thomas scored <laughs> last month. I can't lie. You know what? Um, I think it was a whole thing. Um, like I think even the ITV, the whole ITV experience. Yeah, man. So you'd come in the next day knowing everybody watched it because everybody had ITV. So like my friend would and I would come. We'd go to one of each other's houses, watch the game together, and we'd come in and talk about it. Um, to come in and talk about it on um on the like the playground or whatever. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that game man. Um yeah so let's let's finish up with some listeners questions. Um first question is from underscores D Magic underscore. Do you think it's United fans' jobs to be concerned about wage structure and cost of players or should we just shut up and watch? I feel like 
he feels like we should shut up and watch. And he's just trying to make sure that gets out to the masses. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you not think? Should um, we just shut up and watch? Or should we be concerned about the financial uh, goings on at our clubs? The fact is, I'm not concerned about the financial stuff because I'm concerned about our financial health. I'm concerned about the financial stuff because I just want us to use it as well as possible, to be honest. So, like, seeing us, like, waste money when there are better options out there, of course I'm going to be upset. Like, that's... Like, I genuinely do not care about how much money you spend on, on a player. I care if that money could have been used for better uses. And that is it. So, if you... Like... As long as we're, we're getting the right player, as long as there is not another player who gives the same attributes or like doesn't have as many, like if there's a player out there that doesn't have as many drawbacks, younger, has the same attributes, but and we, we can get for the same amount of money, but we're not going to get him. What's like that's just stupid. Like I'm not going to sit back and just keep quiet over stupidness. So no, nah, I don't. No, why would no, no? That's a crazy. That's a crazy question to me. Crazy Boy. question. Uh, <laughs> Steph, anything to add on that? I don't um, see you disagreeing with Elijah, but you've surprised me many a time. Hey, Major, again. Hey, hey. Um, for me, no. Just echoing what Elijah said. Uh, for, for us, like you have to think. Um, even asking that question, you have to say like, what do you what do you want from watching football? You want to enjoy it, right? So how I want to enjoy my uh, football that 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 then um, you know translates into you know spending our money wisely and getting the best players. Um, so I feel like it does concern us because if the club ain't spending the money wisely and not getting you know the best players or or the best managers and then on the field we're not enjoying the football, it's obviously a domino effect in it. So I feel like we have to kind of care what they do with the financials and on at the end of the day, um, the reason well a, a lot of the revenue comes from us. Whether that be uh, believe it or not, you staying at home, the TV rights, the Sky uh, that you pay for, the BT or whatever that you pay for, you're contributing to that club's revenue. Uh, whether you go to the games, you're contributing to that club's revenue. Do you know what I mean? So um, if you're spending the time or spending your money going to the games, I definitely feel like you should um, be, you know, be be concerned where your investment is is going. I'm not saying you have a divine right. Um, you don't own anything and, you know, don't, don't start, you know, uh, going overboard. But I'm saying you should definitely have a, a small concern if money isn't used um, in the best way. Cool. Um, we've got the next listener's question from Ayavelli. Um, is Seedorf's actual quality, so not trophy hall, career accomplishments, etc., underappreciated? I think so. Um, I don't think he's mentioned enough with the greats of his generation. And I think he's right at that top table, like ability-wise and, and trophy hall-wise. He was technically proficient with both feet. He was able to play across the midfield in a variety of roles. He's at the top, top table for me. So you mentioned him alongside the Baleks, the Skullses, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What were you, you lot's feelings on Seedorf? It's, I find it so weird, man, because I feel like with Seedorf, Tadoff and Perlo, I feel like until they came and done it like without the without Kaka there, I felt like they just weren't respected in England. So I remember a game versus Spurs where 
Sadoff came on, I think he, I think um, they lost it, but Sadoff was the best player on the pitch. And it, and, and, and it seemed like the commentators were surprised by it or something. But I'm like, this guy's always been sick. It's just that it's football just heritage, that, man. Yeah, it's just about? that he's always he's always been sick. But it's just had Kaka there, like, he's, like he's, he's just not been like the proper main man. And then even Perlo, like, the way people were were out, like astounded by him at Euro 20, 20, 2012, it was so weird because it was like that's just a normal performance from the guy. So I do think Sadov is so underrated. I think. Watching him back, he looks very un, like the way he dribbles and moves very unorthodox. Mm, he, looks, mm. he looks so t- bitty, 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 bitty touches and like, yeah, and he's like he's built just, solid, yeah, yeah. But like, it's just, it's just like he is a proper player, proper like you can tell, like proper Ajax born, like the way the amount of positions he could play. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was playing as like kind of a wing back kind of wing back says says in the mid when he won the uh Champions League with Ajax or something. So like he could get up and down and stuff. Like he was a proper player man. Yeah. What about you Seb? Where where do you put Sadov when you're talking about his uh contemporaries? Yeah no definitely I definitely put him uh right up there. Um I feel like he had literally everything um you know bundles of ability. Um for me it's, it's 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 weird, man. It's weird. Like um, I, I I'm I'm not too sure why he gets overlooked, but um, I feel like it's easy to overlook players when they're part of great teams. So he's been part of so many great teams. So you know, naturally, the superstars are the first names you mention, but you don't really uh you know go through the squad and say, oh shit, yeah, like this person was an important cog. Um, to this team or even well, more than important to this team you're just going for like the name brand so I feel like that's probably uh, some of the reason why he, he, he don't get the hype um, and then more so he probably don't get the hype from English fans and that's because we didn't, uh, a lot of people didn't watch him enough um, so same way we harp on about the same midfielders all the time because these leagues were accessible to us. So when Sky got Liga and we was just, you know, hyping about, you know, the Barca midfielders or the, the, the midfielders we have in the Prem, um, those midfielders are always going to be at the forefront of our minds because we always watch them. Whereas Sadov, um, you know, a lot of people wasn't able to, to to watch him all the time, or they only saw him in the Champions League, and they only saw him as part of great teams. So I think that's probably going to be the reason why. And I was going to forgot I was muted. I was going to say maybe as well because he kind of played for a few clubs, and he didn't necessarily belong to like one fan base. Because obviously, he played for Real, he played for Inter, he played for. Milan, he played for Ajax, even spent some time at Sampdoria. But I go back and look at it. He played for Milan for 10 seasons, 430 appearances, 63 goals. So even in that regard, he, he certified that like he's an AC Milan modern era great. So I think it comes back to essentially what you said, Seb, is the fact that people didn't watch like that. I think before the game, when we were talking in school about it, again, I'll do my throwback thing, show my age. We were talking in school about it and 
players were like, oh yeah, now nah, their midfield's crap, man. They ain't really got anybody. Like, I think Gattuso was probably the one that was most known because of his pitfall t- tenacious time. We're like, what? So English, Pirlo? man. Pirlo? So English. At Seedorf, ballers, man. And I think in the second leg, because well, remember I said my friend said to me, oh, I have to watch it with you so I make sure you, you've watched Seedorf. Seedorf ran Carrick and Skulls <laughs> ragged. He ran them ragged. I remember like thinking, nah, I would have noticed this in the first leg. He didn't do it in the first leg so much. But in the second leg, he had them man on strings, man. They were chasing him all over the they were chasing him all over the gap. And I think another thing that came to mind when I was watching that game was that uh, Juve losing Pirlo for him to go to Juve and do an absolute madness. Um, hey, Allegri should be tried for war crimes for that. Uh, crazy. Allegri should be tried for, for war crimes for that. Like, it, like, I remember people, I think, always had this opinion of Pillow that he was kind of like, oh, just get it and let it go, get in, let it go. But Pillow was a guy who was comfortable under pressure and getting himself out of tight spaces and creating space to then make the gameplay, to then open up the game for his team. And I remember when I used to be in the Red Calf Forum, we were arguing about Pillow, and like, somebody would say, nah, mate, he's not like that. He's just a give and go. I was like, are you sick? Like, Pillow... <laughs> Can hold onto the ball in tight areas and create space for himself. And and then the guy like I had to like post a vid of it, and the guy had to like he just disappeared. He just didn't really yeah yeah, yeah. get after that man. Hold that man. That guy could create chance on his yeah. own from like the the first third of the pitch. Like he was that mad. Like yeah, he, that, oh, bro. Yeah, that was like Milan midfield was mad. Two all times yeah. in there, man. Uh, got a question from br two two zero three. Uh, what do you not think of a Pogba, Bruno, and Herrera midfield? Herrera who? Uh, what do you not think of a Pogba, Bruno, and Herrera midfield? What Herrera? There's only one, Ander. No, I'm <laughs> saying what version? Uh, whichever whatever version you want, <laughs> Nah, man. Ander, when he first comes, special player, man. Special player, man. No, Come on, nah, let's, let's give him that. that. I think let's he, give him no, that. we're not giving him that. Let's give him that. Come on, let's not be sick. Let's not be sick. Come on, let's be sick. I think what he was was better than the quality that we had, and because he was able to execute the basics of being a competent midfielder, well, which our previous midfielders were unable to do, it made him look a lot better than he was. And I think a lot of people also had nostalgia for that Bill Bow team that popped us. He was crazy in that game. Hey, hey, no, nah, he moved wicked in that game. Come <laughs> he, on. He, he moved back in that game. Though. Yeah, he moved wicked <laughs> in that game. Him, yeah, him. they destroyed him. <laughs> like, hey, those Sorry, names, they, they're crap. But boy, that game, they, um, they were playing that like game. Uh, and Jesus Jesus who was the one who absolutely walked through the defence? He doppied like four men. And what he was doing, no, 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 it wasn't. Are you sure it wasn't Susayeta? He was literally yeah, moving it yeah, from yeah. there. Um, right foot to left foot, right foot to left foot, right foot to left foot, <laughs> and then he went to slot and he just missed it. And like he had Van der Sar on the ground, I think he had Van der Sar on the ground. Yeah, I so. think because of that Bilbao uh, um, performance, some a lot of fans held that team and a lot overrated some of the players. Like, oh, the, the, the player that we saw that night is who we were signing, and obviously it was like it could, did it take us a couple of summers to get Herrera, or was it? Uh, so yeah, that game was 2013. We got him. No, that game was 2012. We got him in 2014, yeah. Exactly. So what would you not think of whichever Herrera you're thinking of, said, but Bam, that, Bruno and Herrera midfield? What, the thing is, yeah, whatever, like, if it's most of the Herreras, that guy was so whatless defensively. He would just go everywhere chasing the ball. So having that in midfield with Bruno and Pogba, that's, that's, 
that's disgusting. But then having yeah. the having the Herrera that was under Mourinho, who was just so safe and just mm. ugh, no, no, just no Herrera at all. <laughs> just, just, just none, man. Just none. Nah. I think that, that Herrera that we got like didn't quite get over the lessons of Bielsa, and you just put like a constantly press. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, it, it took Mourinho coming in for him to to behave himself. Steel. Yeah. Cool. So he, so he was good for like half of that season because he had a mix of everything. But then mm. after that, he just became one of the most basic players I've ever seen in my life. And I'm so <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm so glad I'm so glad he's he's out. And now he's playing right back, right back at PSG. PSG. Levels, are le- levels are levels, man. Um, got a question from Master of Gap. After watching this game, my opinion of Ever totally changed. He was just mid. The second goal Kaka scored was 100% his fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you not think? Do you know what? What do you blame it? for that Kaka goal? Nah, man, that's nobody's fault, man. Do you know what it is? It's one of those ones, yeah, where one, it starts from the other end. So it starts from the other end. So we don't even, uh, I, I can't remember how it actually started. So it starts from the other end anyway. And then obviously it gets to uh, Evra and um, Heinz. And uh, what, what, what you have to see is like, you know, they didn't communicate. Yeah. So they communicate. Both of them two have tried to go, which are you know, basics of defending. And um, that's happened, didn't it, man? It happens, bro. We've seen dumb shit like we've seen dumb shit happens all the time. But because it was, it was on a bigger stage, it makes it more funny. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't think I don't think uh, Everett's made at all, man. I feel like he he offered, um, you know, uh, a, a, a outlet, but it's difficult as well because you you had Ronaldo on your side. So one, you know, he ain't helping you. You're on your ones. You're on your ones, mate. And then two, on top of that. Everything he does in regards to the attacking phase is so selfish. So even when you're making the overlapping run, he should slot you. He's not. He's not doing it. Um, he's cutting in and shooting. Um, and you know, it's it's just in an inshallah, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you you got to feel sorry for him, man. He, he was definitely holding down um a, a lot of that left flank on on his one. So um, no, nah, man, I, I sympathise with Evra. I definitely feel like he's a good player. That goal was literally like you could play the music. There is a still where it looks like Everett is sitting on Hanze's back watching Kaka score that goal. And it kills me till this day. It generally looks like you're just sitting there watching Kaka like, right, this guy's actually sick still, I can't lie. But yeah, Ever was quality going forward, man. Like, in terms. I think what I love about it most, like, in terms of, like, his close control and dribbling, he was actually sick. Like, the, the amount of times he was able to get out of tight situations and, like, he was able to do a skill, like, in the final third and just get past man and cross it in. Like, he was quality and he, he, he loved... carried Jerome Rafem for uh, Monaco. Remember uh, Monaco, that Monaco team? That, he carried that him, combo, man. That combo was wavy, but I thought, you know what? It was them two. I realized it was just Ever, bro. It was just Ever, Ever doing it on his ones. But yeah, Ever loved a cutback. Like once he got into the f- f- final third, he was making stuff happen. He was making stuff happen. So I think going forward, he was good. Defensively, he was definitely mid though because from time you're letting Aaron Lennon stress you, yeah, man. 
Yes, yeah, conversations need to be had. Yeah, and we'll always have that goal against Bayern. But those sixty seconds. Oh Sam? man. Oh, oh man, that that was up there in terms of gas, gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, had a few I, I don't care. Those like, I remember seconds. we watched it like a, a group of us, and we were gas. Yes, this is what we're telling you, lot. Man United. And then, like, before we could finish celebrating, they like equalized. Yeah. I remember my friend supporting Arsenal, and he just looked at us like, ah, yikes. Fam, <laughs> Evra defensively on those three goals, nutty. <laughs> he he, he was me. crazy. He, he loves the game, man. He loves he it. He crazy. <laughs> and we got a question from Mo One Ups. Uh, what player in today's game could you um, compare 0609 Rooney to? To me, he's everything Firmino stands wish he could be. Truly he's, making the he's, game. Uh, don't, he's don't, don't you dare. Don't he's you nothing, dare he's nothing like Firmino. Absolutely, uh, Absolutely nothing like Firmino. Absolutely nothing like Firmino. Don't ever. <laughs> Do you know what he's sim- do you know what he's similar to? Do you know what he's similar to? Who? He's similar to um he's similar to Mbappe. Like yeah. the all that's, action. That's the only one. Yeah, like all action, like pace, power, just taking people on, banging it, like I just feel like they, them two are, are quite similar um in, in the way that they play. Uh, yeah, I think Mbappe, I I with Mbappe, I know how people must have felt when they faced Rini. Because, boy, that guy just scares the life out of me. Just those two legs, yeah. I, uh, that's when I knew that, that this guy was truly mad. Because whenever he got the ball, my heart just went up. Uh, like, like this guy, yeah, man. Like, Rooney, yeah. Like, right now, there's not too many of players. There, there, there aren't too many players like him. Because, of course, like, Rooney grew up on street, like, street football in it. And you yeah. can see... You can see the cage football in Mbappe and just like the aggression, just the tenacity, just like it's just that raw. There's raw, but it's refined at the same time. Yeah, like the thing is with Mbappe, like he shows it in terms of he he shows it in terms of like getting goals. But Rooney was just all over the pitch. He was just that Rooney was just a madness, like tenacity just to do everything. Uh, he was top quality, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real, for real. So, yeah, don't be comparing him to guys like um, Firmino. You do that again, you're getting blocked, mate. <laughs> um, Shane Dowley, 97. Who are you taking between Rooney or Aguero? Rooney. Rooney. Rooney, yeah? All right, lads. Uh, quick one. Who are you uh, taking? Who am I taking? Korea for Korea. Um, Aguero. Really? I think, I... I think Rooney fell off too early for me. Rooney fell off too what? early for me. His, no, best, his best years, his best years were cold, and the best Rooney is probably better than the best Aguero. But Aguero is still clapping like a madman at thirty-one, and Rooney fell off like he fell off the too thing early is, for me. I, do you know what? I think Aguero was going that same way. I think he's lucky he got he got Pep. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely... Remember, like, the whole Aguero good player thing and everyone's always yeah. been like, were you Aguero good player? Aguero good player, yeah? Mm-hmm. He, now, in comparison to what he was when he was younger, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, can carry the ball, beat play, like I always compare... That they were always similar players to me. Yeah. Like, in, in terms of tenacity, in terms of, like, build. Obviously, Rooney's a bit taller, but they kind of both had that, like, stocky, squat, big thighs. Like, they mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily, like, beat man with, like, skill, but they just find that they bulldog their way through... Powerful shooting. Obviously, uh, Aguero didn't necessarily do the dog work that Rooney did, but 
I always saw them as similar sort of players. And you're right. When I said um, good player, it will always into the fact that his game has become so much more limited than it was. And he's been this player for the last few years. So now he's kind of, he plays in between the posts mm-hmm. and all about getting on the end of chances. So like, mm. I think with Aguero, like there was even a time where Pep dropped him for Jesus because it was like, Jesus is doing better number nine work than you. Like, you have to remember, up until Pep came in, Aguero didn't play as a lone striker. He was playing as part of a two. Like, even, like, his best work came as part part of the two with Dzeko, with Tevez, with Forland, etc. So, like, I think, I genuinely think he is just lucky he got Pep because he's got the doping, he's got... um, He's, he's he obviously he's got yeah he's got the doping he's got the, he he could just stay up top he got he's got that all the all work for him well, pep, pep, yeah you're getting up front you're getting seven tappings a season Minimum. exactly so like he <laughs> so he, he said six, six, seven goals off every season's tally yeah bro like he's <laughs> able to stay between the posts because like if if he moves from a certain area pep isn't going to play him like so he he's been able to conserve energy. I swear to you, if they gave him any other manager than Pep, Aguero would be back in Argentina. Hundred <laughs> percent, he would be back in Argentina <laughs> with Tevez. Do it, yeah. Boca Juniors, yeah. Fam, no, no, Boca Juniors. He'll be back. Fam, like he'll be. Yeah, uh, saying, bro. Aguero, Aguero will be chopping up steak in Gaucho if if it Fam. wasn't for, if it wasn't for Pep, bro. Like, uh, and the thing people is, forget this guy had a car crash, you know, on the way back from um. From a concert, that this guy's whatless. He's yeah. put, he's a proper whatless sheep. Nah, and, he's so and, lucky he got back. And then when I look at kind of like other than the goals and that, yeah, I just look at things that they've demonstrated to me over their career. And player for player, Aguero can't touch Rooney in regards to all round player. Yeah, the only at thing big moments, big moments cannot touch Rooney do, when do, it comes do, to big do, moments. It's and mad then on top of that, and, and, sorry, and then on top yeah. of that, yeah. Um, Rooney showed to me when he wanted to do that and he, he wanted to score goals and he had to score goals for the team he could like and he said to himself that's that's not really his thing he more so wanted to be involved in the game but he done it for a couple seasons just to show man yo what you're, doing, what you're doing is quite light it's quite light <laughs> I can do that you know it's sound like you know if, if you want uh, I can do that on a, on a week on, on, I could do that this season for you but um, next season nah. I'd rather go back to my role <laughs> and assist um, my striker and get um, uh, the 20th Prem do you know what I mean like um, Rooney is just a is, like is the mad with Aguero he has that bit he has the biggest moment and he can come up with clutch moments but not he doesn't do it in the doesn't do it at the top level in the Champions League Rooney has done it bro he's done it in Champions League and and Rooney, like fam, the fact that the fact that he's a player who's able to say, you know what, I didn't even like like just scoring goals, man. Like, like you could tell he he didn't like do like he could do it, but he he just wasn't enjoying it. So for a player to be like, you know what, I would rather just like just be involved with play. Yeah, like, he's one of those players who likes to have the ball. He yeah, likes man, to be like, involved in the play. Like nah. being a striker sometimes is such a um, thankless task. Like mm-hmm. I've never forget, mm-hmm. I think I was reading something uh, Capella was talking about with Marco Van Basten. And mm-hmm. he was talking about, like, in a game, we could win win 1-0 and he grabs a goal in the first 10 minutes. 
and all he does is spend the rest of the 80 minutes making runs for his teammates, and that's a world-class performance. Mm. And, yeah, I think he was talking, he was stuck. Maybe he was comparing Zlatan to uh, Van Basten, because I think he was saying he could be similar to Van Basten with better movement but less goals or something along those lines. But mm-hmm. we're talking about the art of being a centre-forward and how much of it is about being selfless sometimes and the amount of runs yep. you have to make for your, your teammates to make things happen. And Rooney so- would rather be selfless but with the ball and he'd rather be getting yes. stuck in and getting yeah. digging, into, digging into challenges. So uh, it's an interesting point you lot make that uh, Pep potentially did um, save uh, Aguero's career and his reputation. Um, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll put that one on the main, the main um, timeline and um, see what sort of uh, response we get. Mm-hmm. So be be prepared for a full throated defence of uh, Wayne Rooney tomorrow, lads. Got a question from OZBNJV2, Osbin Javitu. Uh, with Woodward <laughs> and uh, Dortmund shooting down the Sancho move, who do you think Man United should be looking at as an alternative? Which they didn't shoot down Sancho move, fatted. How do you know his head's fat? I don't know. Huh? It's just... His head isn't fat, so please kindly uh, <laughs> yeah. retract your statement. <laughs> um, no, I think... no, right. um, <laughs> go on, Elijah. Um, I think the Dortmund the general director said, "Ah, oh, yeah, we're very, we're very relaxed with Sancho. He has years left on his contract. We don't need to sell. We see what what the transfer window. We see what the current is going to do to the transfer window. But to, but to be honest, like that just sounds like a selling man, like." All, all, all these, all these stepping stone clubs. You, you, you always know when they, they are they're about to sell a player because they keep talking about years on the contract. They're really relaxed. They don't need to sell. But when you know behind the scenes, they want them out the door because they want that money in. Like, I, I know that I know that Dortmund want to sell. I know United want him. It's just that this thing has thrown in a bit of a like. It's thrown a bit haywire because now there might be a big di- di- disparity over the, the fee, so that's 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 a potential problem. But I don't think it's completely shut down. But if there was, if it did, and there was an alternative, I would be going all out for Buendia from Norwich. Okay, interesting. I thought you were going to say Dharma again. Oh my boy! You know what? Bring them both. Bring them both. Bring them both. A Dava, wow, that guy. That's football, bro. He, he so, is football, man. He's football. He's something else. Uh, so that's me, what I'll say on that. For, for me, for me um, I don't think they'll shoot down the rumors. I feel like it's more so just saying to United, fam, I don't care what's happening. The price is the price. Do you know what I mean? So, like, we're going to say, fam, we're relaxed. We've got, we, he's got years on his contracts, isn't it? Because we don't want to hear our. Oh, you know your funds are a bit low. Do you know what I mean these are these things are happening? It's either you come at a price that we spoke about before Corona, or you go get him in uh, next season or two seasons when you can afford him. So that's why I feel like they was kind of bringing uh, putting that out in regards to uh, them being relaxed. I feel like also with us being linked with two players instead of the four, um, I feel like that's probably where the change has happened in regards to the number of players we're getting because we all, we spoke about the backup striker, we spoke about potentially signing Igarlo on a perm. 
So I don't know if that happens. I feel like it should, but I don't know if that happens. And they spoke about potentially getting um, a holding midfielder or a defender. I don't think that's happening. Um, and I don't think that's necessary. I feel like the backup striker is necessary, but I can deal with no backup striker as long as we don't get any injuries, which is asking for a lot. But then if we get Sancho, we can always move Grimwood into the middle and kind of work off that. So, yeah. Cool. Um, and final question from Adeboye Cal. Do you think Sir Alex Ferguson could have won the Premier League after he retired? And if so, how long do you think he could have kept up with the current crop of managers? Obviously, when he retired, um, he said it was something that he'd been discussing. And I think somebody from within the club came back and refuted it and was like, this is uh, was kind of out of nowhere. And a lot of people were suggesting that he basically could sense the change in tide and ran with, with his tail between his legs. Like, right, I've grabbed this one and let's, let's leave us a winner. Um, first of all, address that. Then uh, address the, uh, the question. Seb, you've already put yourself off mute, so I can tell you're ready to go. So feel free, sir. Um, yeah, so like in regards to him running off of the coattail, so I initially did think that. So initially, uh, my initial thoughts were um, he kind of like left us because he, he, he didn't think he could probably compete or, well, compete, but I don't, I don't think it was more so in regards to ideas, I think it's more so you have to have the energy for the Prem. Like, Sir, Sir Alex is an old guy. Like, he's an old man. Um, you know, he was one of the oldest... Well, he was the oldest manager at the time, if I'm correct. Like, to have the energy to go it to go season in and season out after you've done it for, what, 13, 14 years or 20 years or 24, 25 years or whatever, uh, like, it, it, you know, it, it takes some type of energy. And then also, on top of that, like... You've had two back-to-back crazy seasons, you know, just missing out. You know, imagine how he must have felt just missing out from a, uh, you know, a last-minute goal from Aguero. So that takes something out of you. And then having to go again, get Van Persie, and then, you know, kind of win the league that way. Like, for me, I I feel like he'd done enough for us. Um, And even if he didn't have the energy, I feel like that's fair. But in regards to how he would have fared in um, this current time, I feel like he would have done well. Um, be- well, minus the energy thing, I feel like he would have done well um, because he always find he always found uh, a way to uh, rejuvenate the squad, and he always had an eye for a player. Yes, we bought a couple duds, but we always always bought quality players. And if we looked at um, um, the seasons, you know, so if you looked at the seasons since he's left, our biggest issue has been recruitment. That's it. Our biggest issue has been recruitment and how we spent the money. I would trust Fer- Sir Alex Ferguson with the money that we spent um, to get us into, you know, first and, and win the title rather than all of these managers we've had. So I feel like his recruitment would have been way better. And I feel like we would have definitely won more titles. Um, I'm not saying we would have, um, would have been uh, dominant, but we would have at least had two, three titles in this time. Um, Elijah? I, th- I, think, um, I think there were a few things at play. I, I, I do think he wants to go out on a high. Um, and obviously his wife, um, his wife's sister died and then he was saying that she was very lonely and that he couldn't, like, he'd, he'd been doing this for so long. 
and like she was there for him all that time so he needed to be there there for her at that point and I also think he saw with Wenger as well it's better to go out as a hero rather than a rather than a villain and I think it is what he saw when he tried to retire the first time in 2002 where it seemed like he had just like totally tailed off and it was can't come to the end for him so I think he wanted to get to a point where he was able to go out on a high rather than just tail off and then leave with bad with more with like with bad memories being the most recent thing in terms of like titles I think with Ferguson his his brilliance is not something that could like become outdated for me his brilliance was his man management. And even his mad management, we've seen with Mourinho, it, it can be outdated. But with Ferguson, it couldn't because he, he tailored his mad management towards the player. It wasn't a thing of, like, he used to impose um, a mad management style on the player so he would be very strict with something. It depended on the player. And it depended, it, he, 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 he sides you up as a personality. And he thought about the things that would get, get the most out of you. So in terms of that, in terms of rotation and mentality and just man management, those things, like, it can't, to me, it won't get outdated. The things that he would have changed, he would have refreshed his co- coaching staff, definitely. He would have refreshed the players. And, yeah, man, like, he, Sebi's right in terms of he had the eye for talent, but he had the eye for a character as well. So, like, the, like he, even if a player wasn't the greatest, you could tell he was a big character that would add something to the squad. So I think he would have been able to keep up for as long as he wanted to, 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 to be honest. Like, he was just... He is one of a kind, to be honest. Like, he, you, you can't make another... You can't make another person like him because... You can't make, you can't make another manager like him because he's just special, man. Like, so yeah. even to echo what you said about character, yeah... I remember seeing a clip about um, uh, uh, with Fabian Delph in the city changing room yeah, uh, yeah. with Pep. He just saw like, like, yeah, you've come from a a, a, a not so you know established team, yeah. but the character he showed in the changing room, yeah, you can see that's part of the reason. Along with obviously having squad depth, Pep yeah. brought him here. There's a specific reason why he's yeah. there. He's not just there just to be a number. He's there because he was the captain of another team. So that's something yeah. you're going to need in the change room. My man might not be playing today, but my man is telling world-class players and he's telling them off. He's telling yeah. world-class players off and he's motivating world-class players. You've got Vincent Company even listening. Like, Vincent Company, yeah. like, they take, they're, taking in, they're taking in what he's saying. Man like Fabian Delphi, you know? And, you know, that, I found that really, really interesting that certain managers, even if the player isn't that good, they bring them into the change room just for the character which is really um, important. Fam, like, even if you think about this local team, players like Milner, bro. Milner, yeah, he's been around the block. He's been there for years. And you can just tell he is a proper, like, he's proper hardened character. He, he's a proper like, pro. Ha- Look at the conditioning he's in. Fam, you have to have those players who just maintain standards. That's the one thing I've learned. Like, as much as we talk about the lack of talent in the United team, we just don't have people that just maintain stands anymore. We like you, like you saw it with Ferdinand and like Rooney and Keane. Like there were standards to maintain, 
Like, mm. or that's Stanley, because Patty, this, this team isn't isn't really like Pogba's one. He's one yeah. at the highest level, but he's a different kind of character. Mm-hmm. He's like he's younger and he's from a different generation. And those sort of players you mentioned, they're a bit of a throwback. They are a bit of a throwback, and I think they're fewer and far between. And it, it depends on upbringing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, Pogba was a player who was earmarked for great things by the time yeah. he was a, t- a teenager. So he's always kind of grown up with a certain privilege, you know. Uh, in comparison to maybe a, a Van Dyke who had to graft like he was a Groningen, he was at Celtic, mm. he was at Southampton before he finally got his big move in his late twenties. So he's had to work hard for it. Like you say, James Milner came up at um Leeds, he went to Newcastle, he went to Aston Villa, he won league titles at Manchester City. Um I think Fergie could have only left the way he left, because I think you refer to the season, was it the two thousand two thousand and one season? Or was it yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. season that, Whatever season it was when he announced at the start of the season it would be his last season, the squad completely fell off. I think we yeah. lost like six games by like December, six league games by December, and he just couldn't motivate them because in their heads, you're not going to be here next season. So I don't really need to necessarily worry about you because the next manager is who I need to be impressed and understand. So I think he learned a lot from that. And to think that he actually went on for another 13 years after that. But it was, it was bittersweet. And... You see in other sports that some play, some professionals will let you know when it's their last season, so they can kind of have like a farewell tour. And when they go to all the different stadiums, they get presented with memorabilia. But Gerard, yeah, <laughs> what, you don't want to name those names. <laughs> He's so self-centered, man. <laughs> I loved, I love the way he did it, man. I love, yeah, I yeah. love the way he did it. I think where we messed up. Obviously, David Gill went with him. Some people have a kind of mixed opinion on David Gill's tenure and how good he was at his job. But I think losing those kind of two big, yeah. big characters, big characters at the same time was was a big blow. But I think that also says a lot that probably Gil was like, he always, Fergie always had his back, he always had Fergie's back. He was mm. like, you know what, I don't even want to do this with anybody else. Because he didn't, he didn't go to another club, he just said, nah, I'm all right, you know. Yeah. Do, right. do you know I, what? I think Gil announced, he, he told Fergie he was leaving in January. So... Um, I think, okay. I think, I think Ferguson must. I think Ferguson might have told. I think Ferguson might have said, "Ah, oh, um, I'm. I think I might be leaving as well." And like, give me two weeks to think about it. And then he came back to the girl saying, "Yeah, this is going to be my last season." So I think them, them two knew from January that that was going to be their their last se- season. And I think Gil. I'm not sure when Gil announced he was going to leave, but it was definitely before Ferguson, because we all knew Woodward was coming in to replace him for a while but it was it yeah I think I think Gil was very lucky he had Ferguson because I think if he didn't he would he would look a lot worse I think he would look a lot worse because anytime I saw him spoke he looked like a coward I'll never forget a, a, a Sky News interview where I think we just done our, our IPO this interviewer absolutely rattled him about the debt I've, I've never seen a guy just like a complete professional, like proper big executive, he didn't. He didn't. He he didn't want to be there. He was getting rattled by questions. Like he was, he, he couldn't he couldn't answer anything. And you, you, like it even got to a point where the interviewer was disrespecting him. I'm like, this is the chief executive of United. Like boy, wow. He, he looks a bit mad. But yeah, I I think the thing is with Gil is like he's on the he's on the UEFA board. Mm. He was he was CF he was, he was CFO at 
Umbro maybe or, or something like that. So he, he he obviously has a good standing in the game in terms of the executive side. But in terms of football, I know that was all Fergie, man. He he can keep all all that claim, bro. Like yeah, he, yeah. he 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 tries his hard hardest to claim, ah, oh, yeah, it was me and Ferguson. Like, like, bro. <laughs> No, because like, remember Fergie had Peter Kenyon, and when Peter Kenyon left, for me, in my mind, he was the biggest in the game. He was the best at yeah. his job in the game, and we lost him to Chelsea. And then it's like he left, Gil came in, and then we just kind of kept it moving. Like there's a little rumor that goes around that Rooney saying he wanted to leave was cooked up between him and Fergie to get the Blazers to release more funds. Like, boy, you don't want us to lose our like yeah, our yeah. cash cow. So uh, uh, that's a nice, that's a story. I'm I'm happy to. To agree with, I'm not necessarily sure if it's true. Don't speak. Even if that that's true, the next summer we only bought Smallin and Chitterio. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work. Did not work. Oh, bro. <laughs> oh man. Cool. Yeah, you you look at it and it's like, obviously we didn't uh, we didn't recruit. Well, we didn't source a, the replacement for Fergie very well. I don't think somebody should ever be involved in there sourcing their replacement but I think he delegated really well like that was his strength like by the end mm. he wasn't necess- he wasn't necessarily leading the tr- he wasn't leading the train not necessarily he wasn't leading no. the train he was essentially like a CEO like MD he set the tone of a club and everybody fell in line behind him and to me that is good management if you leave and everything falls apart as a manager that means that you haven't set up a good enough system beneath you if everything relies on you. But but it, it seems like it seems like as much as he did all of that stuff, um, where do you think the club would be now if we given the manager role to uh, Queeros or given it to Mike Feeling? Do you, do you but think no, we'd but be I better off now? I think, issue, I think the issue was, yeah, was um, Moyes wanted to do it on his own and didn't allow Fergie staff to stay there. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that there should have been some transition period. Like, you don't just cut it off. Like, you don't just, you know, you, you know, if, you, if you're driving a manual car, like, you got, it's got to be clutched down before you press the brake, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's got to be some type of, or, or, or the car's got to stop. Process, yeah. Like, Small yeah, boys yeah, coming from Everton, you know? Yeah, there's some type of process there. There's, a, there's, there's something that has to happen. Like, there's, there's a guy that's been there for 20 plus years and you feel like you're just going to uh, bring some next on from Everton to just come and to start telling these players what to do. Like, uh, for me, I just don't feel that should have worked. I feel like Moyes should have kept Fergie's staff, seen how things worked for at least a year and then changed it. Simple yeah, as that. Yeah, or just... And yeah, or just the players would have like, known him. Or just like... Had a mixture of his staff and and Fergie. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, was was Moyes, Moyes did the coaching himself, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He did. Moyes. But, yeah, but obviously these guys like Queiroz, feeling knew the players better, knew who mm-hmm. responded to what, and Moyes was coming in and having to learn that all. And probably by the time he left, he didn't know any of the players. So, yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think you're you're right in that regard. And I think with that being said, uh, we can end this uh, evening's pod. Appreciate both of you two coming through. Fire breads. Elijah, we have to change to a completely different platform so you'd be able to be compatible with it. But we, we made it work. <laughs> Sebi, once again, ever present. Thank you for your time, sir. Uh, enjoy your evening, lads. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. 
Social Podcast Network.